comes into our, this relationship with us and he says, look, I know all the deficits you have, but I synchronize with you. I come into this synchronization process with you that I will bring all my attributes, all my goodness. Now, the, the mo most believers don't believe that. They don't even think that God would be willing to do that because they're still, and here's why we don't think that, because we think, I don't deserve that, or God, I've got too much that I do wrong, or I'm not good enough for God to do that. But see, through Christ, through Christ, God has made a divine connection to your life when you received Christ, and now you are synchronized with all of heaven. The only thing you're not synchronized is, is the information you're not willing to give up and receive of His. God made a covenant. He established that covenant. And He still is who He is whether you receive that covenant or not. Our lack of believing in what God has said does not stop God from being who He is. God is who He said He was. He has what He says He has and He'll, he'll do exactly what He said He will do. The issue that we will deal with and you and I deal with is, is that we're not synchronizing the information with him. We're not synchronizing in the covenant that he has made with us. Once we synchronize into that, we begin to receive all those benefits and attributes because now we know who he is, what he has, and what he will do. Now we know what we have, what we... Now we know what we have, right? We know who we are, and we know what we can do. Pastor, that was awesome. Thank you. I encourage myself. So because of that, he's saying, look, I'm going to do marvels. Why does God do marvels? Because he's a marvelous God. Now, you could read this in a context and say, well, this is old covenant. But the thing is, did God stop being a marvelous God in the new covenant? I think he's more marvelous. I think his revelation of marvel is even greater to you and I. So he says, look, I'm going to do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the peoples among whom you are. They're going to see the work of the Lord. So I'm not going to do this in secret. I'm going to do these marvels publicly, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. I want you to say this out loud. In 2022, come on, everybody say it. In 2022, God is going to do awesome things with me. Amen. Message Bible says it like this. And God said, as of right now, I'm making a covenant with you in full sight of your people. And I will work wonders that have never been created in all the earth in any nation. And all the people of whom you're living will see how tremendous God's work is, the work that I'll do for you. The work that I'll do for you. That is our word for 2022. I don't care what the media is saying. I don't care what the, everything out there is going on. Look, right now I'm telling you that in God's mind, his plan for you is to be marvelous. Amen. He is the original Captain Marvel of all things. Amen. He does marvelous things. The word marvel means that which arrests the attention and causes a person to stand, gaze, or to pause. It also is the word in the Amplified is the word wonder, something that is new, unusual, strange, and extraordinary. It arrests the attention because of its newness. God is doing new things in his people. He is doing new marvels in his, in his people, and he's going to do it through your life. So what I wanted to do as we were going through the holidays was to get you prepped. Now, next Sunday, I'll talk about all the prophetic things that I gather 
um, in the morning service. I'll talk about all the prophetic things that I've been gathering. Um, I've also, I just got uh, Dr. Barkley's I Predict. We're going to be shooting that show in January. And uh, he and I do three shows for that, um, talking about where God is leading the nation and the world right now. And uh, I've got his I Predict before it's gone out into, so you'll get a, you'll get a hot off the presses before anybody else gets its stuff next weekend. Uh, in that morning service. But there are other prophets that are speaking as well and the things that they're saying. And I believe you need to listen to what the prophets are saying, okay? Now, Sharon asked me, she says, so what do you think, what do you think Dr. Barkley is going to say when you sit down to do this TV program with him? And I said, well, typically, this is the way that prophets operate. When it's good, when it's good, they tell you people are sloppy and it's going to get bad. And when it's bad, people are seeking God, and he'll tell you things are going to get good. So usually prophets, you know, they tell you, they don't tell you what you want to hear. They tell you what you need to hear. And, uh, you know, Sharon said, well, Sharon said, well, can, can you tell me what I want to hear? I said, yeah, you sound like, uh, um, who was the king in the old, Ahab. Ahab said, you know, that pro I would listen to this prophet, but he never tells me what I want to hear. He always tells me, well, there's a good reason he, because you're not doing the right stuff. So I want to talk to you today about this word the Lord gave me that ties in with this miraculous idea for 2022, and that is the, the thought of miraculous reclamation, miraculous reclamation. And the Lord spoke this to me. I was talking to my daughter and about some things that she was going through, and she was talking about that she was going to be reclaiming some things in her life, doing some reclamation. And the Lord says, that's what I want to do in my people's lives, is that I want to do miraculous reclamation. And so I did a little study on this, and the, the, as I dug into this, the idea that reclamation happens through restoration. Restoration brings about reclamation. Now, reclamation, by definition in Webster's, means the process of claiming something back or of reasserting a right. Reclamation is the process of claiming something back or of reasserting a right. So what I want to do today is I want to just provide a, a sort of an idea to you, um, an argument for you to think about how that God wants to restore things in your life. He wants to restore. But you restore things that have been lost, you, that have been taken away, that have been stolen from your life. So reclamation happens because you have a right to something. You have a right to something. Remember, reclamation means that you are reasserting a right that you have. That I want you to know today when you leave that you have a right to claim back things that have been stolen from you. You have a right to claim back things that you have lost over time. And so there, this is, in, I'm going to give you a biblical defense of this idea so that you can see this in clarity. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. If you have your Bible in the book of Joel, um, Joel can be a little tough to find sometimes for folks. It's right before Amos, if that helps. <laughs> right? So if you find it and you say, well, I can't, where's that at? Okay, well, it's right after Hosea. Does that help? Okay. So, I'll tell you what, just go to the part of your Bible that the pages are still stuck together. <laughs> and you'll probably find Joel in there. 
Joel chapter 2. And I want you to see this because Joel is prophesying, and this is so powerful because he's telling the people that, look, you've been through this season. You created, you, you sinned, you blew it, you got away from God, you ended up in captivity, all these things that have happened. God has stood back and said, look, that's the way you want to go, then you're going to go that way. I permit you to travel your own path here, do what you're going to do, but all these things that are coming on you, then he comes to the people and he says, now, because they're starting to fast and they're starting to seek the Lord. And in verse 25, he says, and he says this to them um, in chapter 2. And I will restore to you. Say that out loud with me. And I will restore to you. Say it again. I will restore to you. And then he goes on and says, the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. And he said, the great army which came among you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and you'll praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward, I love this, he says that I will pour out my spirit. And this is used in the book of Acts when Peter is preaching there by the spirit about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He says, and it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon your servants and upon your handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And so this great word that he begins with, look, I'm going to restore to you the years. Restore to you the years, the things that have been stolen from you. You know, in our Bible, there are plenty of accounts. I'm going to just point out two of them where restoration is talked about. One of those is with David. David and his men were out fighting their families were at Ziklag. Uh, their possessions were all at Ziklag. While they are out fighting, the, Am the Amalekites, I think it is, or yeah, come in and take everything away that's in Ziklag, take all their families. They come back from war. They're exhausted. They're frustrated. They're trying to figure out what to do. You know, where do we go from here? We've lost everything. Dave, they get mad at David. They start giving him trouble. Everybody's crying. Everybody's upset. It is a major depressing, sad moment in Israel's history. And David goes before the Lord and he encourages himself and he asks God, he said, shall we, shall we get it back? Shall we take it back? And I want you to hear verse 18 out of 1 Samuel 30, and I've got it up here on the screen. It says, and God says, you shall recover all. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives Verse 19, and nothing of theirs was lacking. They didn't lose a single thing, either small or great, not one son, not one daughter. That's a great claim for you and I for our children. Look, I, this doesn't just apply to financial stuff. This applies also to our families that were everything, exactly. Reclaiming back our sons and our daughters that we not lose one of them, not lose. Can I get a good amen on that? That we're not going to lose one of them, not our grandchildren, not a single grandchild. This is, look, this is a, you say, man, that would be a miracle right now. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Miraculous reclamation. 
So he said, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them, David recovered all because God's will, God's plan was for reclamation, through restoration. Genesis 14, 16 tells us about how that Lot, who was down in Sodom, you know, a lot of folks think that the first occurrence of Sodom and Gomorrah was when the angels came and the perversion that was going on in the city and the destruction that happened there. But actually, before all of that happened, there was an attack that happened by five kings against the, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they actually came in and, and they took everything and they took Lot captive, and Abraham heard about it. And Abraham set himself because he understood his covenant with God. And in verse 18 it says, And so Abraham brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. So my point with this is, is that, look, we see it over and over in the Bible that God's plan is for reclamation through restoration. That God wants to bring back what's been taken, what's been lost in your life, what, what you have watched, what you're longing for. You know, when I talked about children, and I don't have time to turn to it this morning, but when you read in Deuteronomy about the curse of the law, part of the curse of the law is, is that you would look at your children and long for them, but they would serve other gods. That's under the curse. That is not under the blessing that God has put your life under. You say, well, it looks like the curse is winning. Well, that's a lie. The curse is not winning because God is greater than the curse because Christ Christ, man, I'm really preaching good this morning for, I'm not getting many amens, but look, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having, look, he bore that because he, it says, cursed is anyone that hangs upon a tree. You're not under the curse of the law anymore. And that means divine, divinely, by appointment, by God's anointing in your life, that God is saying, you don't have to watch your children serve other gods. You say, well, how do I get change all of that? How do I get it to move in the right direction? Well, one is you've got to realize that it's your right. That's reclamation. Those are my children. I brought, look, they're my children under my anointing, under my household, under my name, and I declare over them in the name of Jesus and over my grandchildren that the blessing of God is upon their life and that they will live all the days of their life and they will not follow another God. That I've done my part as in my household, I trained them up. A lot of you are like me. We train our kids up in the house of God. We trained them in the ways of God. We trained them in the word of God. Made choices to go different directions. You can rest in the fact that God said, you trained them. Let me do my work in their life. It may not look like anything's changing, but things are changing. Now, if you said, well, I didn't train my kids in the house of the Lord. But now you're under a new covenant, just like that guy, the jailer that broke in in the book of Acts when he came before Paul and Silas. And Paul looked at him and said, sir, today you and your whole household will be saved. Hallelujah. So reclamation. It's you and I knowing we've got a right to ask for restoration of things. That we have a right to say, to claim that in our lives, that our kids are living with God. Things that have been stolen from us, that God will return them, that he'll bring them back. Now, this really is an important, this sort of like the, sort of the hinge of how this all turns. Reclamation cannot be about revenge. It cannot be about you getting your own way. That's not what it's about. It's not about revenge. It's, you know, it's like 
the idea there in the Old Testament, there's this guy, Amaziah. And Amaziah, he makes a decision that he's gonna, he, he's, he's going into war and he takes a whole bunch of money that he's got. And he puts all that money into this other king to try to help him, to protect him. And the prophet comes in and says, you did the wrong thing. You shouldn't have done that. And his first response was, and this is what he said in the Second Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 9. But Amaziah said to the man of God, but what will we do about the hundred talents which I had given to the troops of Israel? I've already, what about this stuff that I've lost? And what, is, what does the prophet say back to him? And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. You did not lose. You may think, you may have made a bone. Look, you may have made some dumb financial decisions in your life, but I want you to know that God's promise is he is able to do much more than just return what you, you're, through your stupidity. Amen. I know folks will say, well, you know, you made your bed, now you've got to sleep in it. Boy, I'll tell you what, that works good when you're not the one that has to sleep in that bed. God is a gracious, merciful when we repent and we turn to him and we say, God, I blew it. I made wrong decisions. I invested in wrong things. I went wrong direction. I sinned against you, God. God is gracious and merciful to us. Just like that, when we turn to him, that he will begin the process of restoration in our lives and bringing reclamation as we stand upon his word. Now, the enemy, you need to remember this. The enemy will constantly tell you it's never coming back. It's never going to change. It's never going to get better. And he'll point out all the things the adversary will of how it's actually getting worse. But what you have to do is you have to return back in that environment and say, no, 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 I say this over what's going on here. I begin to claim what God has rightfully said is mine. What God has said is mine. But reclamation cannot be about revenge. I know some of you have been ripped off by people. You can't be thinking, God, make sure they have to give me my money back. It's not about them. Not anymore. Now, I'm not telling you to be best friends with them. But what I am saying to you is you can't think about somehow God bringing vengeance upon them. That's between them and God, not between you, God, and them. Can I be at a better amen? Look, the Lord will give you much more than this. Stop worrying about what people did to you. Stop worrying about who didn't pay their bill to you and didn't do what they said they were going to do for you. Years ago, my pastor told me, my pastor Peel, he's in heaven now, great missionary of God, and he went on the mission field to Mexico, and I mean, there was nobody, there was hardly anybody down there preaching, and it was a very... Roman Catholic area, and so they would like put up on signs on the door that said, we're Roman Catholic. The priest told them to, don't come to our door, don't tell us about, you know, your Jesus, all this stuff. And Reverend Peel went down there, and he had all these letters that people had written from different churches to him, letters and commitments and pledges of support. And he went down there to Mexico, and, uh, you know, this would have been back in the, about the 1950s and 60s when he started down there. And uh, he goes down there, and he's, he starts preaching, and 
they're getting all kinds of persecution, but they start getting some scenes of people come to Christ and some things are happening and, and some really awesome miracles are taking place. But he's, but he's not seeing any money come in and he has no support. So he has to go get a job while he's doing his mission work there. And uh, so he, he, he knows how to do construction, so he's involved in some of that. Well, Reverend Peel, he said every month, he told me this, he said, I'd get those letters out and those promise notes from people and I'd get them out and I'd put them on the table and I'd just say, God, thank you that these people are going to do what they said they would do. They're going to send their mission support to us. And he said month after month would go by and no mission support would come. And then one day he sat down at that table with all those notes and all those promises and all those letters. And he said to, he started his little thing with God. God, I thank you that all these people. And God said, Richard, that was his first name. He said, Richard. I want you to tear every one of those letters up and throw them away, and I want you to stop looking at their promises and start looking at mine. And he said, he told me, he said, from that day forward, the finances started rolling in. Hallelujah. See, it's not about revenge or it's not about people keeping their promises. It's about trusting God, and the way we trust God is through His promises, not the promises of what others have done. So, you know, reclamation is not about getting back at people that have done you harm. Because that's the wrong spirit. The right spirit is, God, I look to you. This is between you and me. And you said in your word that you're able to give me much more than this. Say that with me. God is able to give me much more than I've ever lost. Absolutely. Now, just so it's finishing up here, I want to throw this idea at you. I talked a little bit about this, sent it out in a text to many of you this last week. And that is that we need to, that there is the possibility to believe for double blessing, to believe for a double blessing. And, uh, you know, uh, I, don't ha I didn't put this in my notes, but double, when, when you read about the word double, a double blessing coming to someone, that is always the right of the firstborn in Israel. That was the right of the firstborn. They were... You know, if they had five kids, the firstborn got twice as much as the rest of them, okay, as each of them divided up. So actually, so it'd be like there would be, if there were five, there'd be six portions. The firstborn would get the first two portions, okay? And uh, you say, well, I, you know, how are we firstborns? Because in Christ, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, amen, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So because of that, you as a believer have the right of the firstborn. And that is to claim double as a firstborn. Hallelujah. The double blessing. So I think there's enough in the Bible, the evidence about this, that we can actually believe God for a double blessing. In fact, in this passage in the book of... Uh, uh, Job 42.10, when Job had lost everything, the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. And indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. I'd call that, wouldn't you, a double blessing. Isaiah 61.7 says this, Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. And you will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. And there's a couple things in there I think you, you want to pay attention to. One is, is that he said, look, there will be double share of honor 
a double portion of prosperity in your land, stuff that has to, you know, your business is your land, right? Your prop, where you work at is your land, what you do. Your savings is your land. Are you with me? It's that, you know, for them, land was where they did their work, right? And they received back out of the land. They lived off the land, all right? Now, you don't necessarily live off the land. You might have a garden or something like that, but you, there are other resources that you're looking to to live off of. Could be your pension, could be your investments, could be your Social Security. Whatever that that is, what, whatever you're believing, whatever's out there, the land that's providing back to you, you claim out of that double prosperity that there is a double blessing that's coming back to you through that. And so he says here, look, he says, I, you will possess a double portion, a double share. And then he says, and everlasting joy will be yours. Zechariah 9, 12 in the Amplified Version says this, Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity, you prisoners of hope, even today. So I declare that I will restore double your former prosperity to you. So we see double continuing to come up over and over and over. Now, you're going to have to, what, when I said this in the beginning, and I think this is paramount for this, is you have to believe for this, okay? This isn't just going to happen. You believe for it. Your faith is released. Remember, you're synchronizing with the thoughts of God here. You're, you're coming into agreement. You're renewing your mind to his mind so that you're looking at things the way that he sees them instead of the way you see them, Okay? So when you synchronize that thought with the way that he sees things and you say, okay, I'm going to take on this idea of what God has said, then the way you look at it is, is that God, a double, is a double portion too hard for God? No, but is a double portion hard for us? Yes, it is. In fact, and I, like I said, I don't have time to turn to this, but in the Old Testament, in the book of Kings, when you read about Elijah, when he's getting ready to go, what does Elisha ask Elijah for? He says, I want a double portion, right? What is he asking for? The right of the firstborn. Because he is the firstborn, he is the, first, he is the one that is trained up under the prophet. So he's asking for the firstborn right. He says, I want a double portion. But did you notice in your Bible, what did Elijah say to him? He said, you have asked a hard thing. Why did he say that? Because it's hard for God to do that? It's hard to believe for it, that's right. Because, it, it, because everything will tell you that you'd be good to get back one portion of what you've lost. But how about you believe for double? You know, as I was reading this, Chuck, I kept thinking about, you know, if Kevin was here today, Kevin would want to point out, and he would yell it out today, that he would yell out, yeah, and the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that if the thief is caught, he has to return sevenfold. So don't believe for double, believe for seven. He's probably in heaven right now saying that to the Lord. You know, Lord, there's this, no. Well, listen, just to believe for double back is a big thing. But you have the right for it. That's what reclamation is. You practicing a right that you have. And uh, so... As we look at this, we believe for the double blessing. And then the last thought, just to close out this message, is that joy, and we saw it here about 
the blessing. Joy is a key component to restoration. Psalm 51.12, in the New King James Version, David prayed, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. The Message Bible says this. I love this. Bring me back from the gray exile and put a fresh wind in my sails. <laughs> put a fresh wind, God, in my sails. You know, I meet a lot of Christian believers, talk to a lot of different people. I think a lot of people, the wind died out on their sails. And uh, they've lost their joy. Because, see, we as believers, our joy is in the Lord, not in our stuff. Amen. See, if you think that, well, if I get double back, I'll have joy, or if I even get one back, I'll have joy, that isn't going to do it. Because the things of this world, really for the believer, the things of this world grow strangely dim. They grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I was praying the other day, I was talking to the Lord about, you know, some stuff in ministry and you know, some of my perspective today. And I realized as I was talking to the Lord, I said, you know, God, I'm really glad that you didn't use me completely the way I wanted you to when I was 25. Because I was so arrogant, I would have taken all the credit. I'm so glad, Lord God, that I realized today that it's none of me and all of you. That really, that I'm just, a per, I'm just a jar that you pour yourself out of. And that's all I am. And God, back then, I thought I was the oil and the jar. So it's no wonder. I think to enter into the miraculous, the believer realizes that my focus is on the joy of my salvation. And if you've lost that in your life, if you've lost that joy, you know, just but through... The, the first thing you're going to have to do is to find that joy again. And you ask God for it. Restore the joy. You say, well, what will happen whenever joy is restored? Does that mean I'll start laughing? Could. But I think what it really means is, is that for you and I, that we all of a sudden, we, 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 we feel like stuff just isn't holding on to us anymore. Things aren't gripping our lives and upsetting us like they did because... Our joy is found in something else. You know, we're not upset that we got socks for Christmas. You've seen that before, haven't you? Kids opening packages. Oh, socks. Right? See, for the believer, what they realize is you already got the gift that you absolutely long for in your soul, and that was eternal life, the joy of your salvation. Stand with me if you would this morning. You know, if you've lost your way, this is a good day to make that decision to get back on that right path. If there are things that have been st stolen from you, I'm telling you, God is able to give you much more than that. You can't focus on what's been taken away. I met a guy one time, uh, he was a pastor, I was preaching at his church. It was the most depressing environment I'd ever been in, I'm seriously. Uh, he was here in Michigan, in, in Ludington. And uh, we were with him, and he had, all he could talk about was how big his church used to be. 
how much his money used to be in the church, how many different things, how many sermons he used to preach, and how their ministry was just growing, and it was the hottest thing happening. And that's all he could focus on. That's all he could talk about. But today, he's like, so when you go to the service, he says there will only be, instead of, you know, 300, there will be 13. And instead of, see, when we focus when we focus on what we've lost, what ends up happening? We stay trapped to it. But when we focus on God and what He has and what He's capable of doing, we can move beyond where we are right now. You'll never, listen, you'll never move beyond where you are until you move beyond your past. Father, I thank you for your word. Chuck, you can go ahead and get yourself ready if you want, or a Dakota or whoever's helping us here. And uh, Lord, I just pray this morning, Father, I know that, Lord, we all have real problems. We're all dealing with real stuff in our lives, Lord God. Sickness is real. We battle a real enemy in that, Lord. But God, then I think about the time that we lose from illness. And God, I just declare that you will restore, as you said in the book of Joel, you'll restore our years. Restore what was lost, the months, the, the weeks, the days, Lord God, where we we had to go through all this illness and all this battle, Lord God. That, Lord, what we're going through in our nation right now, battling through COVID and, and all the different things that are being said in the government, Father. Father, I just declare in the name of Jesus that everything, Lord, all the time that's been lost, all the things that have been taken away, Lord, they'll all be restored. And I'm declaring over us a double fold, Lord God, over our lives. Lord, we believe it's in your word. Lord, I'm declaring over people that they'll get double the health they had before, Lord. Lord, that they'll get double, Father God, the, the finances that they've lost, Father God. That their business will bounce back double in the name of Jesus, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that their children will bounce back, Father God, and far exceed their expectations in their spiritual walk. We refuse, Lord, this morning to be trapped in the past. And when I say trapped in the past, I'm talking about everything that happened before this moment. And we choose, Lord God, to be focused on our future. For the plans, as you've said in Jeremiah, that you have for us, they are thoughts of us being plenteous bountiful, blessed. So by your word, Lord God, we claim divine restoration. Restoration of what has been lost. For now we know it is our right to claim in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now listen, Dakota's probably got a couple things here, but if you, if you are, um, well, you heard this message. If there was something that really struck you hard about in your life that, that you're just going to believe for restoration with, then you need to come. Yeah. I mean, you need to make this like, you know, I look, sometimes I look at this like you heard the idea, plant the flag. This is me planting the flag and saying, this is where I stand. This is what I'm believing for. This is what I agree with from the word. And I'm planting a flag today at this altar saying this is where, where I stand now. 
And uh, so if you're struggling in that area, it's one of those areas of restoration, this is a great opportunity for you today. Go ahead, sir. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That was yeah. awesome. Awesome. Uh, while you were preaching, actually, I was reminded of uh, uh, a prophecy that I heard while I was at school. And he said that there's a, one of the speakers was talking, and he was like, he obviously started praying. And then uh, the Lord just spoke through him and said, it's, it's time for a conspicuous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because it's time to validate what's true and what's not. So, yeah, that's, that's what I heard for this year. That's, man. But um, other than that, uh, yeah, like Pastor said, if there's something you're believing God to be restored to your life, please come forward. We want to believe with you uh, for those things. Specifically, uh, for me, the thing that I got was family members. If you're believing God for a restoration in family, uh, I know for a lot of people, the holiday season is uh, stressful because of broken family situations and things like that. So if you're believing for restoration within your family, whatever that looks like, come forward. We want to stand and believe with you uh, for that. And then you had a word, right, babe? It was basically what you just said. But um, in the prayer room earlier today, we were praying. And um, this morning, I felt like God was laying Isaiah 43 on my heart and saying that the people, like, he's calling back the Israelites. And he said, like, from all the directions, east, north, south, West, he's bringing them back, and um, we are praying for people who have walked away from the church for whatever reason.